Oh, wow. Now, there's a story behind that video because I can't dance, nor do I do it very frequently. Um, and I'm now ashamed and somewhat disappointed that I happened to show that to Ben Krause this past week, never thinking that he'd have played it. But uh, just a quick story, uh, I was serving at a church in Louisville for the last three years, and uh, one of our tech team guys came in one day with this video camera and, long story short, said, hey, can you dance for me for just like two seconds? And I don't know why I agreed to it. I just thought I'd be a team player, and then he edited that video, and then I just happened to show it to Ben, and what do you know, first Sunday. That's what I'll always be known for, the, the techno pastor, so... Uh, I can't promise you much more than that. That's about as good as it's going to get. So, no, I'm just kidding. I I didn't realize either that maybe we should just have a required Colts jersey policy on Sunday mornings of game day, right? Uh, I'll I'll see what I can do. I heard a couple boos. Did I hear a couple boos in the room? So, uh, we'll we'll hope for a little better showing this afternoon. Um, No, my name is Paul Mumaw, and my wife, Jenny, and I and our three kids, we are so excited to be here with you. And uh, we can't believe that the time has finally arrived. You know, it was way back in April that we had our first conversation with the elders from this church, and we sensed um, some great peace in our life right away that God was up to something. I'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. Uh, But now this time has finally arrived, and and we are so grateful and so thankful to be here, and we want you to know that. Uh, My wife, Jenny, uh, she, hopefully you'll get an opportunity to meet her. She's here. Uh, We have a a 10-week-old little girl, Kate. And so uh, she kind of changes course on a moment's notice, and so uh, Jenny's pretty busy with her, but uh, Kate is 10 weeks old. Luke is our two-and-a-half-year-old little boy. He's got a lot of energy, got a lot of enthusiasm, and Joel, our five-year-old, and uh, we're a great family. We love being a family. Joel just started preschool a couple of weeks ago here at Christ Lutheran Church and had a great first week of preschool. And then, uh, you know, it was one of those, like, I got a new job, we're going to Disney World. Well, we were at Disney last week. Uh, all week long. That was a trip that was scheduled way back at Christmas time, and Grandpa told us he was taking us and some of the other family members. We weren't going to pass that up. And so we were at Disney all of last week and had a great time, a little tired of Disney food and Disney crowds and Disney animal characters, but a great time for the family to get away and, and just be alone with one another. We got back yesterday afternoon, so we're still trying to get into the swing of things. Um, but we're, we are glad to be here. And things have worked out well. God's been doing a great work in our life. I think you know that we sold our house in Louisville, uh, which we're so thankful for. God is good. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, we close on that home next week, so we're excited about that. We're currently living in an apartment uh, here in Noblesville, and that's worked out great. We've got a, a great three-bedroom apartment for three months, and then uh, we'll hopefully be buying a house here in the next month or two and uh, getting moved in and getting settled and all of that good stuff. Uh, but but it, is, it ha- has been great. So thanks for your prayers. Uh, thanks for being so kind to us and good to us. Uh, you know, special thanks to the elder team uh, and the leaders of this church. Uh, who have just really reached out to us, you as a church family can be excited and proud of your elders um, and for all the, the great work, the time and the prayer and the effort uh, they've put into just helping us get here. Uh, thanks for helping us, you know, get moved here and for reaching out to our family. We've received emails from many of you and some phone calls just saying, hey, we can't wait to meet you and we want to know you. I mean, my wife and I are so excited to be a part of this church, and, and our kids too. Now, they remember it as the church with the soccer goals, um, and that's okay. We'll let, them, we'll let them live with that for now, but uh, we're excited to be a part of this family, and we just really believe that God is going to do a great work, continue 
doing a great work here in Noblesville and in Hamilton County. And he's going to work through you. He's going to work through this church uh, to bring glory to himself, uh, but to help people come to know Jesus Christ. And we're excited to be part of that. And we believe that God has called us here. And so thanks for, for giving us the chance to come and to serve with you uh, and to serve alongside of you. We believe it's going to be a great ride. And uh, we are just so excited to be a part of this family. I want to invite you to take your Bibles this morning. And I want to invite you to bring your Bibles with you every week. Um, one of the things that I'm committed to as a pastor is to preaching the Word of God. Uh, Bob Russell was a pastor that I served with in Louisville, Kentucky. He has served Southeast Christian Church for 40 years. I had the opportunity to have breakfast with him before he retired. And as we were talking about preaching, he said, Paul, there's one thing I'll share with you that I think you should hold on to for the rest of your life. He said this, preach the Word of God, because when you preach the Word of God, stuff happens. Stuff happens in people's lives and stuff happens in your church. And so we're going to continue as Genesis has always done, preaching the Word of God here. And so uh, bring your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have them back at the guest uh, counter and we'll give you one as a gift and you can have it. Uh, we'll also provide the scripture on the screens if that's more comfortable to you. But turn to Genesis chapter 22. Uh, go to the very first book in your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to look at a situation in Abraham's life today. Uh, and see what it is that God wants to say to us. Uh, and so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started because Hurricane Ike is coming, all right? And uh, so let's pray together. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this day. And on behalf of my family, Lord, uh, we just want to thank you uh, for all that you've done in our life, Father, uh, to help bring us to this place. It's overwhelming uh, to look back at all of the pieces that you carefully uh, laid in place, Lord, to help bring us here. And we are thankful for that. I want to thank you for this church, God, and I want to thank you for all of the work that you have been doing here in this place over these past years, God, and that we now get to be a part of this family. Thank you for these people's lives, Lord, for those who call Genesis their home, who have invested their time and their energy and their effort into this place, God, and I pray that you would just continue to honor them as they serve you. We also pray, God, uh, for the future and all that you're going to do here. And we just look forward to bringing glory to your name and to lift your name up on high, God. And, and we want to see you do a great work uh, here in this church and in this community. So I pray that you would work through me this morning as I preach, God. I pray that I'd become lesser and that you'd become greater. Uh, that, that your words would just leap from these pages today, God. That you would speak to us in our hearts and our lives where we are right now. And uh, God, we just give you this time. And so we pray that you'd help us to focus. We invite your spirit to come into this place, to move in us and to speak to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And when we stop right here, there are a couple of things that we know immediately. First of all is that God is present. He is here. He is with Abraham. He is speaking to Abraham at the very beginning of this chapter. And we also know what he's up to. Because what does it say? Sometime later, God, what did he do? He tested Abraham. And so we know what he's up to in the very beginning of this chapter. He is testing Abraham. And the truth is that when we think about it, we all face tests, don't we? We face tests every week. We go through seasons where, where the testing might be light. We go through seasons of our life where the testing might be great. We all face tests. Sometimes it's in our financial struggles. 
You know, you, you lose a job, you're in search of a job, you're looking for a new opportunity, and, and you know you've only got this much money to work with every month, and so it's a test. You know, it's a trial. You're waiting in God, on God, you're trusting in Him. Maybe it has to do with physical pain. You know, a medical report that you received recently or, or a medical condition you've been living with for most of your life. You're tested, you're, you're tried, you're waiting, you're trusting in God, or it's just an uncertain future. You, know, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You're not sure what you're going to do when you graduate from college or, or graduate from high school or you know, how your kids are going to turn out or how your marriage is going to turn out. And so the, the, the future is somewhat uncertain. And so we're tested and we wait on God and we're patient with Him and we get impatient with Him. This church has been tested, hasn't it? I mean, for those of you that have been around since the very beginning, you've gone through some great trials. You've climbed some great mountains. You've overcome some great hurdles. The church has been tested. And God has proven that He is faithful. You know, that, that He's going to be around, that He is all-powerful. And He's worked in this church, and He's worked in this congregation, and He's helped you weather the storms. And He's pointed us towards a bright future. We all face tests. God is a testing God. He tests us as he tested Abraham here. But the question is, why does God test us? Why does he work in such a way? Why, why do we have to be tested? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, we find an answer. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God, he's speaking to the Israelites here, Moses is speaking on his behalf. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Why? to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Don't miss that phrase right there. It's so important. Why did God test them in the desert for those 40 years? To humble them and to test them in order to know what was in their heart, whether or not you would keep his command. So why does God test us? He wants to see how we're going to respond. He wants to see what we're made of. He wants to see how we've come along in our life and how we're going to do. He wants, us to, he wants to know how we're going to respond when life gets hard. God is interested in the condition of our heart. God is interested in the condition of your heart. He humbles you to see if you will trust Him. He humbles you to see what the condition of your heart is and whether you will obey his commands in the good and in the bad of life. God is not a God who is simply interested in the external. He's interested in the internal as well. He wants to know our hearts. And so he tests us to see what the condition of our heart is. But I can't help but ask, why test Abraham? I mean, this is the 10th recorded test that Abraham faces in Scripture. He is 137 years old. I mean, give the guy a break. I mean, he's proved himself. Let him just die comfortably, you know? I mean, he's, he's been a faithful follower of God, but it doesn't matter. Because what this proves that even in an old age, God was still willing to test his heart. And like Abraham, God will continually test our hearts to see if we are willing to trust him to put him first, to follow his commands in the good and in the bad. Let's look at the second half of that ver first verse there, Genesis 22, verse 1. Again, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and the response, here I am, he replied. 
Now, I don't know anything about Hebrew, but I have some books that tell me some neat things about Hebrew. And there's a Hebrew word that we miss here in this phrase. It's the Hebrew word, hinani. Can you say it with me? Hinani. It's translated, here I am. And it means so much more than, it's just so easy to fly by this. Because what it means is, here I am, God. I'm ready. I am right here in this place, in this season of life, in this moment. What I am going through right now, I am ready. I am ready to listen. I am ready to respond. I am ready to follow you. I am fully aware of your presence and your place in my life. How can I serve you? So when Abraham says, here I am, God, he's ready to listen. What's next? What do you want for me? I think it took me a while in my life to be willing to say those words. My call to ministry as a pastor took place at a very young age. I just didn't realize it. It took me a long time to figure it out or to believe it for myself. My mom will will still tell you that she can remember uh, when she held me in the hospital room, she really believes that God spoke into her heart and said, your son one day will be a pastor. And, you know, growing up in my life, I I, I just didn't want to hear it. You know, and, and I didn't go off and rebel or leave this lead this treacherous life. I mean, I was perfect by no means, but the idea of being a pastor just wasn't overly exciting to me. Uh, I, I just had these visions or these pictures in my mind of just this boring old guy, which may be true or may come true one day, uh, who just, you know, never has any fun in his life or whatever. And it took me a while to get around to it. And my parents had a great impression on my life and church was a priority for us. I mean, we were there every Sunday morning. We had Sunday night church. I was a part of the youth group growing up. But God began doing a work in my life as a young kid and just even was giving me various opportunities even through youth group. And I remember as a senior in high school um, when my youth pastor came to me and said, hey, we want you to preach one Sunday morning at our church, which was exciting and frightening all at the same time. And I'll still remember that Sunday that I gave that message. But I think what was so important to me were the people that came up to me afterwards, uh, some of my peers, but, but also some of you know, the elders who, just, who poured into my life and encouraged me and said, you know, Paul, we really see that the Spirit is upon you, that, that God is going to work in your life. And so again, this journey towards ministry uh, continued for me. I went off to Anderson University just down the road here and attended college. And the experiences that I received there in the classroom and visiting various churches and on mission trips, again, God just continued doing His work in me until one day it just finally clicked. God put a great young woman in my life, my wife Jenny, who stands beside me, who's my greatest supporter and partner in life forever. And I believe that God was preparing her all along her way and her own walk to partner with me in ministry so that we get to do ministry together. And I served as an admissions counselor for Anderson University for a while, and that's when I met the first church uh, in Michigan that I was called to, uh, First Church of God, uh, actually. And Jenny and I accepted that call, and we went off to that church, and I served as an associate pastor there for five years. And Learned so many things and just things and just enjoyed being a part of a, a great congregation of people. And then five years into it, God called us to Louisville, Kentucky, to a very large church, where He gave us the opportunity to serve as the college in the twenties pastor at a church that forty-two years ago started with about one hundred people 
It now reaches about 17 to 18,000, you know, every weekend. And it was all because of faithful men and women like yourself who were committed to their God, who were fully sold out to Him and believed that He could do a great work. And, and I, I think it's somewhat unusual. I don't think every church is supposed to be like that church in Kentucky and grow to be that large. But God did a great work there through people. And He gave me the opportunity to be a part of it and to see it. But here's what's interesting. We, 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 were, we had a great life in Louisville. We were very excited to be there. But about a year ago, God really planted in both my wife and I just this uneasiness, almost this kind of get ready, because while I called you here for a season, very soon I'm going to call you somewhere else. And so we started praying about a year ago. We just started praying, and my wife prayed probably more faithfully than I did, that God would do one of two things in our life, that he would either solidify our commitment to that church in Louisville so that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's where we were going to dig in for the long haul so that our kids could be in the same schools and make friends and and, and we could build these relationships with neighbors and that we could be there for the long haul and be a part of that church. We pray that God would either do that or that he would call us somewhere else. And my wife attached a little addendum to it. She said, if we can, we'd love to be in Indianapolis. And so we started praying that prayer. And I remember in April when we received that first phone call, my wife and I were driving back from a youth event in Florida. We were driving through Birmingham, Alabama. It was raining like crazy. And the phone rang, and I picked it up, and it was Steve Wallen. He said, I'm calling from Noblesville, Indiana. We want, you to, we want to know if you'd be interested in talking with us about our church. My wife and I pulled off to the side of the road, and there were some tears, and she said, that's where God's going to call us to go. And our desire and our hope is and our prayer is God willing. We want to be here for the long haul. We want to dig into this community. We want our kids to go to school here. We would love for our kids to graduate from here and to build relationships and to invest our life into this church and in this community. And so as hard as it is, as humbling as it is, as testing as it is, my wife and I are trying to stand obediently before God right now and just say, here I am, God, here we are, in a knee. What do you want to do through us? How can we serve you? And it's amazing to think that God has been preparing us to come be a part of your family. And uh, we feel like we've been invited to do that, and we are excited to be here, and we're grateful for that. Verse 2. Back to Abraham. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go. Now, I do not completely understand why God would call Abraham to such a task. He was asking him to sacrifice his only son on his behalf. And I do not understand this. But it is an imperative command. There is no room for compromise here. There's no bargaining. God asked Abraham to make a great sacrifice, to climb this great mountain in order to test and to see what the condition of Abraham's heart was. And God will ask you to do the same. Not to sacrifice your child, even though you might like to do that once in a while. But God is going to test us. He tests us by asking us to be patient with a spouse. 
or a rebellious child. Sometimes God tests us to, to trust Him with our money and our finances when times are tough. Sometimes God tests us to honor our parents even when they're weird. Sometimes God asks us to remain pure in our dating relationships because we all face mountains. We all face these great climbs, these tests that God puts before us that He asks us to walk faithfully. And as a church, I believe that God will test us. He's going to test us to see what the condition of our heart is. There are mountains yet to come that we have not yet faced as a church. And God will use these mountains to test our hearts, to test our, to dev- our devotion, to make sure that we indeed are willing to trust Him, that we're willing to put Him first. You know, is it about us or is it really about God? And we've got some great mountains before us right now. You know, and they're written in the strategy and the mission and the vision of this church You know, the mountain of, can we be a church that helps people find their way back to God? That is a great challenge. That is a great mountain, a great test that we will face as a church congregation because we all have to participate in that. It requires every single one of us because who are those people? Well, they're your neighbors. They're the people that you work with. They might even be your family members. They might be, you know, a fellow athlete on your sports team. God has put these people in your life for a reason. And it will be a great mountain to climb to help people find their way back to God. Another mountain that we'll face is, can we be a church that helps people experience intimacy with God through worship on on, on the weekends? I mean, right now, this is one of the most important, if not the most important thing that we do as a church is, is what happens on Sundays. So can we be relevant in our teaching? Can we be real and inviting in our worship so that people want to be here on weekends? That something happens when they come into this place through the hospitality that happens outside of this room or in this room that just makes them want to be here, that the Holy Spirit just starts working in them and they don't even realize it and they just need to be here every week. I mean, you might be in that place right now and we invite you to keep coming back. We want you to be a part of our family. Can this be a church that is truly made up of authentic relationships? Can we climb that mountain? Can we overcome that test? I mean, it means being a place where people feel welcome and people feel safe and and people that are going through rough times in their life can find security here and work through some of the junk and, and get that junk out of the way but feel the support and the love of this place. Can we be a church where people are continually growing up in their relationship with Jesus Christ? Where, where people come to Christ in this room, that this church is known as a place where people are coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then they grow. You know, that they go to another place in their faith and their life. And how will we get there? How will we do that? It will mean so much more than we're doing right now. Can we be a church where people discover their spiritual gifts and, and then use those gifts to build up the church? It was overwhelming and exciting today to just see so many people serving around this place at such an early hour. You know, in the children's ministry, to the host team, to the coffee team, to the people that were in this room. And there are things happening outside of this room all throughout the week where people are serving. And we'll need more. It'll take every single one of us if we're going to climb that mountain. And can this be a church that touches this community so deeply that we're really truly able to reach out to lost people in the name of Jesus Christ? I can't help but ask this question. I read it in a book, but I think it's so profound. 
if this church disappeared tomorrow, would this community notice? I want to be a part of that kind of a church. That we have such an impact on this community, on this county, that if for whatever reason God were to take us away, the community would notice. That this community truly relies not just on Genesis Church, but on God in the name of Jesus Christ. Not for my glory. I don't need it. I don't want it. Not for your glory, but all for God's glory. That's why we're here. That's why we're, we will be a lighthouse to this community and to this county. It's a great mountain to climb, and it'll take a lot of great faith. It'll take a lot of great obedience, but I believe that we can get there, and I believe that this is what God wants from us. But you have to ask yourself, do you want it? Is that the type of life that you want? Is that the type of church that you want to be a part of? Are we eager to do this? Verse 3, and then we'll start moving along a little more quickly. It says, early the next morning. Don't miss it. What's Abraham doing here? He's responding to the test that God had put before him. How eager is he? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Do you think Abraham was eager to obey God? I think he was. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Can you imagine how hard that was for him? Because Abraham knew what was going to take place at the top of the mountain. And every day as they rode the donkey, as they marched farther along, that mountain got closer and closer. Sometimes it's difficult. It's hard to follow God. Sometimes it's tough to be obedient, you know, when we're going through difficult situations with our parents or when money is tight or we're looking for jobs or we're trying to be faithful in our dating relationships or in our life or whatever it may be with. But Abraham saw the place in the distance. The mountain was clearly visible. Verse 4 again, it says, He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, pointing to the mountain. Now, don't miss this. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Notice what it says there. Notice the use of the pronoun. We will worship God, me and Isaac, and then we will come back to you. Who? Abraham and Isaac. We will return. Me and Isaac, we are coming back. Is it that he was misled? I mean, did he forget really what the test was? Did he forget what God was asking him to do when he got to the top of the mountain? God was asking him to take his own son's life. But Abraham says, we'll go to the top of the mountain, but we will come back. And what's the answer to it? He had faith. Abraham had faith. He believed God. Do we have faith like this? Do I have faith to believe that God can use me in this position? You know, that God can work through me, that He can take, you know, my brokenness, my failings, my insecurities, but that He can somehow use me to help lead this church? Do you have the faith to believe that God can get you through your greatest test right now, that as hard as it may be for you to climb your mountain and that what you're facing right now, that there is a God that can help you get through? And do we have faith as a church to believe that God can accomplish the goals that He has set before us? Abraham believed that in spite of what he was asked to do, to take his own son, that God would come through. The answer 
is in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. Why is this? Here, here's what it says. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He, this is Abraham, who had received the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. And so God had promised Abraham that your son Isaac will be the father to many nations. There will be so many generations of people that come after him. And so Abraham knew and believed that when God put this task before him, he, he recalled those promises that God had already spoken to him, that I am going to do a great thing through your son. And so why would it end here? But in spite of that, in spite of his own reasoning, he followed God faithfully and he clinged to those promises that God would be faithful and that if God did indeed decide to take Isaac, Isaac's life, that that same God could bring him back from the dead. And we must cling to the promises of God too in everything that we do. Promises like trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Or now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask for or imagine. That God is able to do this. That as Jesus said, I will build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We have to cling to those promises as people, as a church. These are the promises we must hold on to. Let's finish out this text here. If you'll bear with me, verse 6. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Hinani, here I am, God, ready, waiting in this season of life. You've come just at the right moment. I'm excited and thankful for that, but here I am ready and waiting to respond to you right here, right now. He's caught red-handed in complete obedience to God. And Abraham proved that he was willing to give of his most valuable resource, the absolute love of his life for his God. He passed the test. And so I ask you as a church, what sacrifices would you be willing to make for your Savior? If we're going to climb that mountain, if we're going to be the church that Jesus spoke of, what sacrifices would you be willing to make? I'm going to ask three things of us as a church, as individuals, as people, as, a, as for myself too. You can write these down. I don't have them on a slide or anything. They're just three words. The first thing is I'm going to continue, and we're going to talk about this more in the years to come, to give of your time. I'm going to ask you to give of your time to, to make some great priorities in your life that, 
that this church for you wouldn't simply be just about one hour of worship on Sundays or 75 minutes, but that as many of you have already done so far that we would continue our willingness to give of our time to this church and the energy that it will take to truly be that church that can have a great impact on this community. That we would worship together, that we would be in community with one another through groups, that we would serve together. All of these things will involve our time. And that it will go so much more beyond the walls of this church. It will be about serving Jesus Christ 24-7. Because it's so important to me, if not even more so, that when you're out and about in this community, when you're shopping at the grocery store, when you're watching your kid play Little League, when you're serving on a board here in the community, or when you're working your job, that you are serving Jesus Christ. That you are ready and prepared and believe that God may have put that person in your life for a reason. And maybe all they need is an invite. There's some stat that says that there's an overwhelming number of people outside of the church that say they would go if they were simply invited. Could we be that church that invites people? Can we give our time? And so I'm going to ask you to give of your time to this place as I give my time. But the second thing that I'm going to ask of everyone as we, as we truly follow after God is that you'd be willing to give of your talents. It's your gifts. It's the abilities that God has given you, your unique uh, craftsmanship, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That this church body is made up of many parts, and we all make up those various parts, serving the church with our gifts. And, and whether it's, it, it's serving in children's ministry, or whether it's you know, a part of the band, or whether it's serving in an outreach event, or serving a cup of coffee, We've all been invited by God to join Him in doing the work of this church in this community, and it will take every single one of us. We have been equipped with these gifts, ready to use them. Here's one of the things that I noticed at Disney this past week, besides the fact that it's crazy and a little ludicrous at times, and that is that the customer service is outstanding. Uh, even as we rode the bus, the Disney bus from the resort to the airport yesterday, we watched this video, and it was this video that was like trying to make you cry that you were leaving Disney World and how much they loved you, and they would remember you in their will, and you know, all these great things. But, but even up until the point that you got on the plane and helping you with luggage, Disney did everything they could to make the name of Disney great, that you just left with this great experience, this great impression. And can we be that kind of place as well? that it will be our desire as a church with everyone serving together to make the name of God great through our acts of service through this church and outside of the walls of this church. Let's make the name of God great uh, through our talents. And the final piece is not only our time and our talent, but it's our treasure. And that's our financial sacrifice. And I believe that God has commanded every single one of us to trust Him with our money and a willingness to give back a portion of what God has already given to us. And, and I'll be honest with you and tell you that, that money uh, is the closest thing to, to many hearts, and at times it's probably the closest thing to my heart too. And it's the most difficult sacrifice, kind of like Abraham's. But this church has proven that it's a giving church. And I believe that God is going to challenge us and test us to prove it with our financial sacrifices so that we can give to the work that God is doing in this community and in this world. And I think the sacrifice will be different for every person. 
but can we be faithful? Can we be a church made up of people who give their time and their talents and their treasure? And I believe that if we're willing to do that, that we will climb the mountains that God has placed before us. I'll conclude with this, verse 12 through 14. So the angel interrupts. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And I believe that if we serve God faithfully with all our hearts, He will provide. And in your life, in the challenges you're facing, in the mountain that you're climbing, God will provide. And as a church, if we walk humbly before God and trust in Him, He will provide. Can this be a church made up of men and women of all ages, of teens, of children, totally sold out to God, ready to serve Him faithfully and obediently as He asks us to follow Him? I think we can do it. And I invite you to listen to this song, and then we'll conclude together. Esther, two questions uh, before we sing our last song. Uh, the first one is this. Where are you in the story right now? As you think about that whole Genesis 22 account and Abraham's climb of the mountain, where are you in your life right now? What's your mountain look like? I mean, maybe for you it's, it's a difficult, challenging marriage right now, and you don't know if you have the strength to go one more day to really believe that God can pull through. Maybe it's a rebellious kid who just doesn't seem to get it, and there are just days when you believe it'll never happen, and that things are only going to get worse. Maybe for you, you had the difficult doctor visit this week. You just got the news, and you know you've got this great challenge or this great climb before you right now. Maybe it's the uncertain future. Here's what I want you to know, that as you climb your mountain, the God in heaven has already released a ram that's climbing the other side. And that when you get to the top of the mountain, when you can go no longer, he'll provide and he'll be there for you. But the second question is, and what are you going to do about it? As you think about where you are right now, what do you need to do today to trust God, to have faith in him? I mean, maybe it's to persevere. Maybe you just know that because of the work that God has done through you this morning that you've just been re-energized, that you're ready to go at it, that you're ready to face another week, and that's great. Sundays can be about that. Or maybe for you there's a conversation that you need to have. Maybe you need to start serving. You know, maybe you know that, hey, I, I've been here for a while now and I'm ready to call Genesis my home and I need to find a place to serve. Uh, your staff would love to talk with you about that. You can talk... Uh, to our host team back at the Welcome Center. We can get you plugged into this church. Maybe you've been kind of sitting on the edge. You know, you, you know that we've been through a lot of transition and you've just been kind of waiting and you know, hey, I, I want to be a part of this place. Maybe that's what you need to do. But maybe there are some of you here this morning that don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. 
and you've been climbing the mountains of life without any hope at all whatsoever. We want you to know that Jesus Christ lived the ultimate act of obedience by living out his Father's will, that he gave his life for me, but he gave his life for you too. And he is the one who can forgive sins and give hope to all of us. And we would love to talk with you about having a relationship with him. I'll be up here afterwards and some of the elders too, and we'd be glad to talk to you more about that. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time this morning and uh, for the lessons that you have taught us, Lord, uh, from Abraham's life. And we thank you for his faithfulness. And I just pray, God, that we can learn to be faithful people too in our homes and in our jobs, at our schools, Lord, in our free time, uh, but that we can learn to be faithful and continue being faithful as a church. And Lord God, we know that you'll put some mountains into our life. There are some there right now. And for those that are facing those mountains, I pray for strength for them. I pray for the hope uh, that they need to get through. Uh, for us as a church, Lord, to truly believe that lighthouse that you want us to be in this community, God, I pray that you give us the strength and the trust and the faith to overcome those mountains. But I pray for those who are here today, God, who don't know you as their Lord and personal Savior. And that's the greatest mountain that they face right now. Whatever it takes, God, would you do the work that you need to do in their life so that they can know you. And we thank you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.